clear. We are the weirdos. I am God. What? I tried to warn her. Welcome back to Otsterion, folks. It's great to have you here because this is a very important episode. They're all important because it's important, but Jordan. Yeah. Th- this is this one's this one is you guys have been asking for it. <laughs> yeah. And listen, we were gonna give it to you anyways, but here it is. Mm-hmm. We were <laughs> Yeah. <clears throat> we are here to talk about Scream 2022. Scream 2022, new Scream. Friend, I, uh, according to Jasmine Savoy Brown's character, Mindy, Scream the Requel. Scream the Requel. And uh, by the way, I've never heard it called a Requel. No. When she was like, She's fans like, are fans torn are on the torn terminology. On the ter- it was yeah. like, I think they're just making that up for this. Yeah. it's But it's kind of like, okay, yeah, I'll take that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of yeah. making it. You know what? In four, they said that, you know, you practically have to be gay to survive a movie, horror movie. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go with it for now. I, I want to tell you. It is a big weekend for 1996. Huge weekend. If you have not listened to our mini-sode, because either it's not out yet or you skipped <laughs> yeah. it, uh, if you are listening to Yellow Jackets, I highly recommend that you give that a listen because this weekend we got Yellow Jackets, which of course is set in 1996. We got mm-hmm. a sequel to Scream, the movie that is originally, uh, it's from 1996. And also I have been organizing my Beanie Babies. Yeah. Um, which, as I, t- as I told you, I've been looking for an excuse to bring up Beanie Babies on this pod, and today's the day, friend. There it is. Guys, you I have ha- You have a, an influx of Beanie Babies. Because Beanie Babies were very popular in the year 1996. That was the year they captured cultural imagination. In 1995 was when they became a thing because of the internet. Like, people were started ah. trading them. But it wasn't until 1996 that they blew up and were flying off the shelves. And I bring this up for one big reason. And it's that when I look at the reactions to all of the scream rankings, I see uh, yes. I see generational differences. And so in, I really do. I order, really do see generational right? differences. What what are you seeing? Um, I'm seeing that uh young people tend to gravitate more toward our point of view. I agree. And and very much so the point of view I have long maintained with my love and preference for three and four. Um, with two being, two really being a caboose choice for a lot of, and again, I, I am, I am, I will re reiterate as many times as I have to, that my screen ranking is one and then everything else sits in a tie for second, basically. Jordan, um, I got it. I got to go with you on that because I originally, somebody asked me, well, Hey, big shot. Noah, uh, was like, (laughs) what's your ranking? And I gave him a ranking and I look back at that ranking. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. I listen. If I listen <laughs> to Oz Tyrion, I would be like bullshit, Sam. Yeah. You know, so I I actually think like I, I because I actually think that ranking them is bullshit, and this is why they are so enormously different in what they works and are, doesn't work. They're doing different things every but, time. But you can't rank them because it's not about whether a film is superior or not. It's did it did it succeed what it set out to do, and mm-hmm. it, how. And that's what I want to talk about today. And the biggest generational difference I am seeing is because of Beanie Babies. And so... Okay. Look, people who were around in 1996 when Scream came out, it was a different fucking world, you guys. And I'm talking like, look, we know (laughs) it was a different world five years ago than it was today. Um, Things are happening so quickly. Social change is happening so fast where before it was was more incremental. And it may feel slow right now, but it is... Compared to what was happening in 1996, we were moving at the speed of light. Yeah, um, oh my God, yeah. And 
to think about just where we were culturally, to think that an entire society was captivated by it toys for the entire 90s, whether it was Furbies, <laughs> Tickle Me Elmo, or Beanie Babies. Yeah. Pogs, earlier before that, we always, mm-hmm. what what happened with that spe- our specific generation is that we were captivated by th- by scarcity. And uh, and when we think about, and, and also like authenticity, as in the original, yeah. only the original is good. We're very that like our generation specifically is very that so like you couldn't get a beanie baby from like the disney store or you know warner brothers or whatever you had to have a thai beanie baby thai beanie baby beanie baby with the tag intact or its value was gone and i bring this up because it's the same thing with pogs there were like pog brand pogs and then there was everything else we are for some reason us we are that decade is fixated on the original. And you hear that in Scream 5 when they talk about it, it always goes back to the original. But I think mm-hmm. what you can look at with the way that people rank it, people from our generation tend to go one and two are equal or they're yeah. like two is better. But like one and two are like the originals they see and everything mm-hmm. else is an inferior imitation because right, you have right. to have some sort of like allegiance to the original and are not able to see the value of everything else. And when you look at the failure of Scream 4, what you have is our generation dropping the ball. And when you look at the success of Scream 5, what you have is Gen Z going, yeah, we'll, we'll pick it up from here. It's so, like, the, I, 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 my highest praise for Scream 5 is that it is Scream 4. Here is my Winsboro Massacre anniversary question. What is your favorite scary movie? What's your favorite scary movie? One generation's tragedy is the next one's joke. What is your favorite scary movie, man? I'll show you. The, the best parts of, the best aspects of five are when it fully commits to being four. Yeah. So watching this movie get, I'm so glad it had a great box office opening weekend. I'm, I'm so glad the reviews have been really strong. And that like, there's been a lot of, you know, it's not, it's not unanimous, but like most of the feedback I see is like, I had a great time watching Scream 5. As of now, it's made domestically about what Scream, all of Scream 4's domestic run was. So just throwing that out there. Yeah. And in, in, in our, in a, in a pandemic year, in a pandemic, in a pandemic year, year when things are still very unsure. So I just want to, yeah, I think it's important to talk about it, that. No, that's hugely important, especially, especially in direct contrast to how 4 was received. Yes. And 4 has gone through a very, a very heartening reappraisal like there it's people have really come around on that there's been a lot of you know what I watched that again and actually that super holds up or like I think it's aged even better than it was when it first came out so that's really great but if you cannot actually you are full of shit if you enjoyed five and you still maintain a position of four sucked I because thank you your your I'm sorry let's go to the tape Roll you back. just enjoyed Scream 4 again. <laughs> you, you, sorry, sucker. And, and I is, say that with all sincere love, sincere girl. love as somebody who we will get into the ups and downs, but as a whole was like, what a great night at the movies. I mean, okay, not to like bring it back to Beanie Babies, but. <laughs> I mean, this it's is here what, now. I mean, this is what I'm talking we, about the, though. The, the blue elephant is in the room now. The, oh, the peanut, the royal blue elephant, which by the way, <laughs> yeah. which was supposed to be like the one that is worth so much money, which by, I just got to tell you. Knew a guy who had a peanut. Knew a guy. Knew a guy. Stolen out from his arms in his sleep as a child because people wanted Beanie Babies so bad. He had the (laughs) royal blue elephant. He woke up in the morning and it was gone. It was his favorite toy. And I don't know if he ever recovered. I'll text him and find out. So Was it an adult, do we think, that took it? Girl, I think it was the parents. Who else broke in? 
That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, horrific. This is horrific. This is so. What? I'm, mm-hmm. There was this mania around protecting what that is, the original. And as things kept going, it was diluted. By the year 2000, mm-hmm. they announced that Beanie Babies were going to end, and it kept one last like sweep up of popularity. And then when the when after everybody was disappointed because they released another set and they were like, right. oh, I guess it's not over. That's mm-hmm. Scream Three. There was a little bit kicked yeah. up in the year 2000, <laughs> right? And then they were like, oh, not that. And then later, it didn't matter what was released, no matter how good the quality was or what they did. Everybody was ready to reject it, and they never had a comeback. So, I mean, by this prediction, then 2022 is the year of Beanie Babies. Um, but but what I want to say is people protect Scream 1 and 2 with this yeah. kind of, like, sacred talk that that uh, that makes it, it makes it feel like, to me, that they're, are they really enjoying the film? Or mm-hmm. are they enjoying protecting the the bragging rights of having the original like that like a, like a collectible because it feels yeah, like, like like as we'll get into like the villains in scream five exactly i think that it's that when people the 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 villains of scream five scream five are actually the fans who so like ferociously defend one and two and it, I, I think I enjoy about seeing, you know, if I get a chance to see younger, younger folks talking about, um, perhaps prizing four and three over over what they would too. I, I think it's a, it's a difference of I don't need people coming into their own to like the things I love. I don't. I don't Correct. care if they give a shit about it. I would like for them to. I would like for them to give a shit about the antecedents of things so as to have a respect for what made now possible. I would like, as just like a general thing, I would like precursors to be consumed by, by people who are getting into like a niche specialization just to like honor the work that came before it. If they, if they watch it and take that, take that time to do that work. And then they're like, didn't do it for me. Okay. Cool. Cool fine and, it is not like you said the pace of change in the past two to five years compared to what it was 25 years ago you do not have to have the same fucking value system around what you love in a movie that i did that i had when i was your same age as you are now absolutely fucking not i just want to point out that like we do not see this kind of response with a series like halloween so yeah, what what? what uh, and is it because I, it never stopped, or because it just like legitimately got shitty? I mean, I, I mean, I think there are a couple of reasons. I think with Scream, because Scream Four didn't land culturally, it didn't make an impact. Yeah, really, the last Scream to make an impact was 2000, and it had left a yeah. bitter taste in people's mouths. And mm-hmm. so it's been 20 years. Gen Z is just picking up Scream as a fresh series that they didn't. The amount of people I have seen react, and, and I think particularly young people in in like the past as the lead up to this movie releases, who were like, there was a four. Right. I mean, it's it's shocking. Genuinely, sincerely, uh, people who are excited to go see New Scream being like, wait, when did four happen? Oh. I know. (laughs) Oh, that's the the playing field we're on. Oh, okay. (laughs) You guys have to understand, like, for... For people who grew up with that, like this is the movie, and as as Scream Five talks about, this is, this the, is the movie that made people want to be filmmakers. This is the movie that got me into horror. This is the, like like, and I mean, I was always into horror since I was a kid, but I mean, like, that got me like I'm, I I want to tell these kinds of stories. This is what I want to do, 
and it's this like, was the movie that re-galvanized the genre yeah. after like, you know, the 80s, a big glut of slashers and super killers. And then there was amazing stuff happening in the early 90s in, in horror films, in in individual films. But as far as like a, a, cult, a cultural movement again that people were showing up to the multiplex to see, right. this did it. So This did it. I'm going to throw this out here. I, I personally think that one and two are both great films. I love them yeah. and there's no questioning that. But it yep. is really interesting for me to see the reaction to two from a younger or newer generation looking at the series and saying two is at the end for me because I've seen it again and again in my timeline. I've seen it a lot, yeah. And and it's in direct opposition to older people who are hanging on and saying, no, this is the superior film. And I kind of love that. And I'd like to keep that in mind as we talk about Scream 5 because I think there must be that entry point of like being from this specific place when we're thinking about things in a certain way that doesn't allow... For them to enjoy a later access point. And young people are coming in maybe with a more objective point of view. Or at least a differently informed point of view. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, I'm, I'm curious about the sort of the way that, again, because there's there's a lot of a lot of broad enjoyment of, of New Scream. And, and watching people who might have even been tough on 3 and 4 being like, oh, 5. Like, I had so much fun with 5. Right. I wonder if it's just like having... Like feeling like it's just a, a hard reset because Kevin Williams is obviously involved in the 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 core three are back, but there's no Wes Craven, right. and so dearly departed. And so I wonder if it if there feels like a sort of I don't know an ability to be less self conscious mm. about enjoying the new movie because it's not it's no longer shackled to your master who mm. you had to have like these really entrenched feelings about who they are and what they made and how that affected you. Right. And it can just be like, oh no, it's like a fresh start versus being like, it can, it's, I think the a great luxury that this movie has coming in is that it can exist as its own movie and not a Wes Craven movie. Wow. And everything that that entails. I, I couldn't, I, friend, well put. I hadn't thought about it like that. And it does feel like there's a freedom here Mm-hmm. Um, to let go a little bit, and mm-hmm. and I think that the film itself takes advantage of that. And I I, I just want to say really quick, if you guys are listening, um, this is a the, everything after this. Like we've got spoilers galore. If you're still listening and you haven't seen Scream Five yet, please stop. Yeah, get out of here. What are you doing? Get out of here. What are you doing? Hit stop right now, you asshole. Yeah, you were. Gonna, yeah, we're, because we're not, we're not going to say it again. Like we're just going to talk it. about this whole fucking. Movie. I'm not going to go <laughs> like, spoiler before I talk. So if you are still listening at this point, what the fuck are you doing? Go watch it. Come back. Yeah, go watch Scream. Because look, this is the thing about Scream as a series. Everything else, we know who the killer is in Halloween. We mm-hmm. know who the killer <laughs> yeah. is in Friday the Thirteenth. Well. Two through everything else. Yeah, I, yeah. One is really out there. It's like, mom, yeah. what? Yeah. Mom. We don't even know her. Who is she, though? <laughs> so, listen, Scream, there's only one chance you can ever have to experience a Scream unspoiled. I had mine spoiled by an old narcissist. I don't wish <laughs> you the same. <laughs> no, get out of here. Don't let the old bitch narcissist ruin your experience. No, go in there. You love it for all it is. Enjoy the ride because the whodunit factor is, I think, the defining element of Scream. Now, there are a few more that Part 5 or Scream 2022 Mm -hmm. uh, completely shirks. And I think that's exciting and important to talk about. Yeah. But I want to say first, the title choice. Now, when Scream was floating around as Scream, I was mad. I'm not going to lie. I hated that Halloween 2018 was called Halloween. I hated that. 
It's just I find it I just find it kind of annoying. It's so <laughs> boring and dull. But what I love about this film is it points right to it. It couldn't have been called anything else because mm. they take they fire shots like at by the end of Act One, shots are fired at Blumhouse. <laughs> so it's like even not the, a lie. The name Scream by just calling it Scream with nothing else is actually trolling everybody else, and I love that. I'm still annoyed just because of the fucking confusion and the SEO of it. Like, I, I, I yeah. think that is a, a good and valid point. And if I, if it wasn't just like, I feel like this was just fucking market tested. And you guys talked about like what the upsides are to a, 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 a numerical sequel number in people's memories versus having to not force them to think about the baggage they'll have to carry into the new one or whether or not they need to know anything. Sure. It's just like. So now I have to call I, it New Scream all the time. And I'm like, yeah, fuck you guys. Like, And it, but, I, the thing I loved about Scream yeah. was that it was always two, three, four. Like, it wasn't like Scream yes. the New Batch. It was just Scream wow, one, yeah. two, three, It four. wasn't Scream New Blood. Yeah, exactly. Scream, he screams again. Like, <laughs> it was just like. Screams. Like, yeah. But it just doesn't get to be Scream fucking five when it was just one, two, three, four. It's like, come on. That was one of the night most elegant things about they what they did with this franchise. For talking purposes, I'm probably going to keep calling it Scream 5 because I want to be able to differentiate. Well, I, 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 it's either when I write it out, it's new Scream with an, a U and an umlaut to be just the most obnoxious. I know. I've seen that. That's cute. Or just, or five. Or Scream That's five. it. So I'm. <laughs> like, that's how I'm going to refer to it. But I do yeah. have to say I was angry going in and I was soothed during that okay, scene. Okay, good. So I'm glad for you about that. I'm going to give this, so where, where do I, where do I stand on it just going into it? I want to say the things that I liked, I loved. Mm -hmm. And the things that I didn't like, I hated. And I I had such a great time. I saw it twice already and I plan to see it a third time on Thursday. So I'm just letting you guys know, like, listen, where is this coming from? I would say a place of like, give, like I I am arguing about Scream from Mm -hmm. a place where I love the franchise. I love the series. And I think this is a solid entry. I but, do too. Solid entry. So I want to make sure I address everything it got wrong as well, because I personally think that loving something doesn't mean vehemently defending everything that it gets wrong. Um, just as a catch-all, I think you can love something and look at it flaws and all, and say well, and this I, is mine. What would you say if I? What would you say about the framing of? I feel like like because I remember after you got out of it the first time you d- I didn't ask anything and you didn't tell me anything mm-hmm. you were not going to color my experience. All I didn't want to do that. But it was clear that you weren't you weren't over the moon. I wasn't. And would you is would it, would it be correct to say that like after you watched it the second time, you still had the same problems with it that you did the first time, but you were just able to enjoy it because it was like okay I know now like it seemed yes. like the issues didn't resolve themselves. No. It was like, no, I still feel that way about the things I don't like after the first time I saw it. But I found the ways I, I found I was able to give over and rejoice in the things that were actually definitely working for me the second time. That is so fair to say, because okay. I think that Scream is better. Uh, Scream 5 is better on a second watch where Scream 1 hits immediately. Mm-hmm. I think. And I yes. also <laughs> yes. I will also say, though, I, I think that it's fair to say Scream 3 is better on a second watch. Oh, I think so. And and so there are, I think three and four absolutely reward investment in in the in the properties. And I think like those other entries, five, you, you got to see it again. And this is I think there are a couple of reasons and we'll go through as we talk about it. Those reasons will come up. But I think the biggest reason is structurally we don't meet the friends that we care about. Really, we don't get to know them until the second half of the movie. In the first half of the movie, we meet them, and there's a lot of exposition because, let's be real, this series has been carrying a lot on its shoulders for a while. So the the, the 
connection between the legacy characters and that ongoing story and these current characters. Mm-hmm. They go to great lengths to talk about it and, in my opinion, kind of beat it over the head. Yeah. It's hard to invest right away. And I, I, but I do not right away. I, okay, hold on. Opening scene, Tara. Mm-hmm. Opening scene, Jenna Ortega. Opening scene, great. Jenna Ortega, great. Amazing. This isn't funny, Amber. When you like to play a game, Tara. And what we get in all of the franchise, whoever's in the opening scene is going to die. It's a beautiful kill. It's a big star, and they're going to get Yeah. Now, Tara, Tara Carpenter. Tara Carpenter. Snooze. Guys, listen. Snooze. It's 2022. My fucking god stop with naming don't name your characters after directors and final girls we've had it it's an every horror movie now and this and again one has i don't maybe this is maybe this is maybe this is like you know allotted in the the virtue signaling virtue signaling situation and and i don't get to be the one that like carries the anger about it but it is a big deal to have latina exactly that's what in i'm a saying horror film in a horror franchise at yes. this budget level at this studio level in this fucking iconic property it's a big deal melissa barrera is from mexico she is a native of mexico is a star in mexico broke out in in the heights and now she's she's front and center in this movie and you have jenna ortega characters are sisters and you are making them a carpenter i like let them be fucking ruiz like let us have a, a let us have a heroine that carries that name let's like, actually it, it, have yeah <laughs> i want a latinx heroine i do yeah sorry i mean i it's like you can't i don't like that it has its cake and eats it too in that moment now look i'm not I saying that you can't be latina and have a white last name i'm not saying no, that not at all but not what, at all but that what i am not, saying that does is not impeach the authenticity of your lived experience but it when, seen, when names matter so much yes. so that you're like, I want to make this illusion because names matter. Right. Exactly. You're then making let the name, let the name fucking matter. matter. And I also I've seen arguments that trick. like, because look, there's a character named Wes. I have no problem with that. I love Wes Craven. Okay, cute. They gave no, a little honestly, nod. Honestly, that character looks like a Wes. He looks like a Wes. He's a cutie. That guy's Wes. name. That guy's name is Wes. Let's be that real. That little twink's name that is Wes. That twink's name is Wes. His his <laughs> frosted tips. Wes, Wes frosted those tips. Is that Dylan Minette? Uh, is that his name? Oh, yes, because yes. Because the Dylan Hollywood Minette. Dylans, Dylan Minnette, Dylan O'Brien, and Logan Lerman. Um, oh, I, I do get them rattled around in my brain, but this was the Dylan Minnette. The twin triplets. Minette. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he has the most, I mean, is that, can we call that a 96 illusion? The fucking frosted They are. Well, I, I'm actually, are, I think. There's th- no other reason for I that. am convinced that they are because Tara specifically says in the opening scene that the old movie, they had ugly hair. And then we look at Dylan, and he has a hairstyle that is not trendy right now. And no. is, I would say, is probably one of the ugliest looks from our time. And insanely popular. Insanely and, popular. And so, every every cool boy you knew had that hair. I think Wes's hair is a nod. As is his I name, obviously. So I would love it if I, it was. I love that. I, lo- I actually really do enjoy that. And I thought, you know, I, I, I saw people talking about that being a touching tribute. Sure. I, cool. Here's the thing. Carpenter, Tara Carpenter, doesn't work for me. Samantha Carpenter, doesn't work for me. Sorry, hard pass. Also, Carpenter, uh, we've made the West Carpenter joke in part one, but but really, uh, Carpenter has nothing to do with the series, so let it go. Okay. <laughs> like, I get, and they're, they're yeah, well, we'll I, I have a bit to touch on with that and Halloween and a thing that Richie says that I think is absolutely fucking stupid. Okay, so, great. Yeah. Well, we're about to get, the, cool. okay, because the one thing I want to add is 
I fucking love this opening scene. I could watch it again. Love and again. it. I love it. this is one. This is my favorite opening scene since um since part two, because mm-hmm. I I do actually you know me I love the opening scene of four. The, the oh my the CC kill is the CC Obsessed. kill is so good in two, and I love the triple cold open in four. Like, I love that. I it works for me. I, I truly truly love it. For me. This the, what puts this mm-hmm. one above is because nobody's ever been able to live. This movie immediately subverts it by allowing that was Tara a great to live, call. and I thought incredible. I also yeah. there are some things that so there are some rope like some barriers to entry for me that were hard to overcome the first watch, but once they were there, as we talked about, once I saw it a second time, it was fine. Like the auto locks, okay. Uh, I'm just confused of why why it wasn't locked before because those things. Kind of, it's okay. The 911 call. Tara dials nine and then gets a text that's like, hey, pick up the phone. And she does. Instead of dialing mm-hmm. one, one, send, and then pick up the landline. There are things that are just so easy that I'm like, oh, they're making it too easy. But that said, mm-hmm. this is a horror movie. Yeah, I don't and clock I'm, things like that. They tend to just. Well, the reason right why I think because Scream clocks them out loud, right? Like that's the whole mm-hmm. thing about Scream is it, yeah. it points to itself and that business. And it's mm-hmm. like, so I, I think in a lot of ways, I have to. Um, sure. But but that said, the second time didn't bother me. It, mm. But I something I loved in that opening scene, the genius of saying that Amber's phone was cloned. So the opening call. Yeah. Comes, yeah. Much like Billy Loomis's cell. The texts come from his Amber's phone. Cellular phone. His cellular phone was cloned. The texts come from Amber's phone. And then the video is of Amber because, of course, because we find out later Amber's one of the killers. Of course, they could set up this little photo shoot where he's videoing her with his knife in the window and, and saying that it came from Amber's phone and it was cloned. How did somebody clone a phone? Guess what? They didn't. It was just actually <laughs> yeah. her phone. Love it. That was that was Love such a great it. thing. It, it's like, oh, no, Amber was just texting her. Like, <laughs> she could have sent her. She probably took a video from in her closet and then sent her the video. Like, So then we get to Samantha Carpenter and Richie. Mm-hmm. I I think we I think we we should take a moment to just like they, they really establish the tone in this opening kill a quote unquote kill. Yeah. Um that that the radio silence team, the writers and directors are like we're going to level this up a little bit and we're going to we're going to take this from sort of like, you know, there was always blood on the knife with with Ghostface, but in this one yeah. they're like we're going to watch we're going to we're going to have you watch Jenna Ortega's bone shatter through her leg Ugh. in this scene and we're going to throw her around and she's going to get pretty fucked up. And it's, Jenna Ortega, it's a, who is one and a half feet tall and weighs half a pound. Yeah, like I just mean, watching just Ghostface a, go after her, I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, just a small workout weight of a person. Just love, love, love her, her pulling that <laughs> knife in and out like a like Drew Barrymore. I was like, yes, yes, give it to us, Drew. 2.0. Yeah. It, it, you know, and we have the the customary, like, we want to play a game. There's a quiz. There's mm-hmm. a that. So we're getting the scream contingents. We have uh, Jenna, a.k.a. Tara, doing the, like, yeah, what do you like? I like the Babadook. She I likes like elevated, elevated horror. horror. And she explains what elevated horror is. And then they do slasher trivia. So you're getting, you're getting the hits of it. And then as in the, in the full tilt end of, like, we're going to kill Tara, uh, we are getting a kind of violence that we really haven't. We really don't typically see in the in the Scream franchise that we haven't seen since Drew Barrymore's death, really, in the first one. Right. That de- that death is still, to this day, probably, like, the most horrific in the series. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, in the, the, the coldest, cruelest one in the series. Yes. I, I think that um, uh, 
parallel to or like maybe equal to that would be the opening of two watching jada and die in front of all of those white people in a movie theater oh the 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 visceral growl of death i was just like this is this touches upon something like where the first one is like uh white girl in suburbia and her family's there and it's like horrific in that way this is horrific in a different way and it's like so but since then like with jenna ortega we're seeing like this kind of violence that is who ow you know, I mean, it's like, it's hard to watch. I And I yeah. do want to say, like, you brought up the elevated horror thing. This is an important moment because by positioning this in the opening kill, it almost mm-hmm. makes, if you are one of those fans, the one, you know, the ones that I talked about before that are like <laughs> yeah. die hard for this thing. You're like, yes, elevated horror. I hate it. Hate this conversation. And like when she's like, ask me about the Babadook. Ask me about It Follows. Ask me about The Witch. Ask me about The Witch. She's going to be, she's name checking films that these horror bros are jerking off to. And I love that because they're like, oh, this movie's on our side. Uh, Just wait till Act 3, buddy. So, right. And uh, yeah, so I, I do love that. Yeah, no, I, I, and it, it's, it is, it's why the, um, I, I feel like it's, it's representative of why the first half of this movie doesn't really do much for me because I really like what's going on in this opening scene and I really like how we're positioning Tara and I let, and I'm, I'm fully at home in the, the self-referential meta commentary thing that Scream does. It's like, yeah, that's what we do. We're in a Scream movie. Yes. And then that, which is why the, the first half feels so just like, I, I felt like I was just waiting for the movie to start really. I get Throughout it. the first half because yeah. after the first kill, um, where I'm like, okay, yeah, we're really kicking into gear, right? And then it feels like we just sort of go into neutral for a minute oh while the movie, I, I, for me, it's like it's in, it's like three toddlers in a trench coat and a mustache being like, <laughs> I'm Mr. Scream. And it's like, it's like cosplaying as a Scream movie yeah. until it finally becomes a Scream movie and is like, oh, fuck it. Actually, those things about four that everybody made fun of, those were good ideas. And we should do more of that to make this a screen movie I with our friends from Woodsboro. Couldn't agree more. I think that, that the whiplash that goes from the opening scene to Samantha Carpenter and Richie outside of the bowling alley <laughs> yeah. is in like... Modesto. In Modesto. I love Modesto. that we know it's in Modesto. Very specific. Hey, we got to know. We got to know. <laughs> we got to know like, that this bowling alley... Sam, the Modesto. black sheep of this family, ran to Modesto. She really had From it. scenic Woodsboro. She had to get away to the big city. <laughs> yeah. like wow. wow tough move i mean real real lateral move if, if you ask me i i think <laughs> watch i don't know i think we've gone down a bit of a slide if we're going from woodsboro to modesto you know what that's fair up in lush napa valley <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to drag our few modesto listeners <laughs> right. but guys come on come on you know you yeah. know. Sam, Sam moves to Modesto. Uh, Sam, Tara's sister, she's in Modesto. She works at a bowling alley, and she gets the word. And Tara's been attacked. Tara's been attacked. By the way, I love the text. It's like, hey, this is Wes. You probably don't remember me. It's like, you, we find out <laughs> later that she babysat for all of them. How would yeah. she not remember Wes? She's only <laughs> been gone five years. Yeah, and she like, I'm sure she didn't babysit 500 kids. Like, I there mean, was probably a handful of was, them. Was this a business? Was this like, was it a daycare? I mean, I want details because how do you forget that? And he does, Wes does the thing that I hate when characters do, where he tells her, he's like, Tara got attacked. She's on the phone with him. And she's like, what happened? Like, Wes, what do you mean attacked? What happened? And he he just says, you should really just come here. And she's like, Wes. And he goes, it was a guy in a ghost face mask. It's like, you should just come here. It's like, I'm an hour's drive, like multiple hours drive away. I don't want to fucking wonder while I'm making that drive. Just fucking tell me. Yeah, just tell you me don't what's get going to decide on. what I need to know and what I don't know, About Wes. my sister, yeah. My sister. Hey. Fuck you. Hey, Wes, what, what, what are you holding off for? Why are you burying the lead here? 
Who are you protecting? You should really come here. And then we get another game of that when um, the boyfriend, Richie, is asking questions. And we're like, oh, my God, why? Why is this happening? So because Richie's like, okay, I'm going to come with you. And immediately I'm like, I'm not going to like this guy. I'm not going to like this guy. I'm not going to like this guy. He is. is, And we were right, too. We were right, too. But I I think that the movie knows and, and plays with that in a lot of ways. But I will say what helps the first half of the movie drag is that so much of the story is on the shoulders of Sam and Richie. I don't, I'm not given any information about why Sam has earned this lead spot. And I don't think that her performance is really carrying the film in the way when you see her in the same room in the next scene mm-hmm. as Jennifer, Jenna Ortega, Jenna is serving performance. And yeah, Jenna, Jenna Ortega is very good. Sam is like a beige. Do you know what I mean? Like just a real yeah. neutral for this scene. Well, and I, I think what in it, I like I was captivated by Melissa Barrera and in the Heights. Me too. And she also co-starred in the like I was all in on the entire neighborhood of Washington Friend. Heights being like, oh, Van- Vanessa's the hottest girl that's ever existed. I, was I like, believed I'm it. Sold. I believe nothing. It. No one's ever been more charismatic or sexy than Vanessa. I agree. The whole dance club sequence, Vanessa, Vanessa, like I'm in. So I'm not and dragging it, Melissa because no, and, she's obviously talented. And she did. She she did really great work in the show Vita. Um that aired, I believe that was, it was on stars. I think it was two mm. seasons long. And what I like, I wasn't getting from her in the quiet. Like it's hard to be the emotional neutral of anything yeah. because it's your job to take a character that is not as, not as exciting. You don't get like the fun bitsy lines of M- Mindy, who is Randy reincarnate. You don't get, or to honestly be, even like, live. Who's like the quote boring one. She still gets yeah. to have fun with that because she has a character. Well, and she's, she's the alternative girl with pink hair. And then like, there's hot boy who wants to fuck his girlfriend. Like there are the archetypes have... that get to lean into caricature in a way that's, that's fun. That lets you choose scenes up a little right. bit. And when you're just like the character doing the yeoman's work of being the straight man with it's her own, hard. you know, very sad mystery. It is, it really, and, and we talked about this, it underscores how good Nev, Nev Campbell, Campbell is. Get her and an has Oscar. Been yes. In this series for 25 years. How much, because her and her and, and Sam have essentially the same level of vanilla to them. Right. And it is, it is an extraordinary testament to the depth that Nev Campbell was able to bring to Sidney Prescott in even the most mundane of moments. Whereas with Melissa Barrera, when she gets the chance to be more intense in this movie. Yes, she delivers. She shines. She, I'm going to say this, and you know how I feel about Kevin Williamson. You Mm. know, I love this man's work. I am, he is a huge inspiration to me. And I am, I'm grateful. I think that he has ushered, he ushered in an entire era of queer filmmakers. That said, I participated in this like, script reading of Scream, the first Scream, where we read the script out loud, everybody played different characters, and it became really apparent to me, listening to Sydney's lines, just being, you know, done by a group of us who were just having fun with it. Yeah. She doesn't have a lot of material mm-hmm. in part one. It really speaks to Nev Campbell's performance and Wes Craven choosing her to carry this stuff, because she is also a neutral character like Sam. I think the difference is what you do with that, and 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 how much charisma you can bring to that like really kind of like not a lot like every because they're both characters who everything happens to yeah and, everything's happening to them and so they don't get a lot of opportunities to make choices mm-hmm. um and when they do when she does get to make choices she does shine like 
in the hospital scene later when she's stalling for time and she delivers that line. I'm like, oh, here's a promise of a final girl I want. Exactly. But for the most part, we're not given that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it, I think another another testament, another way that this entry serves as a testament to, and this this is, again, like most evident in the first half that I, that I didn't really glom onto, this movie really shows you how skillfully, particularly Scream 4, handled the ensemble oh my God, of yes. newcomers hybridized yes. with classics. Oh my God, yeah. And it showed us that actually there is a way to do that where you get to spend meaningful time with your legacy characters while really getting to know your new group of young players. Agreed. And in this movie doesn't strike that balance out of the gate. And so it just feels like characters are dropped in and Sam is one of them and Richie is one of them. And then there's the group of friends who feel like they just met each other the moment we meet them and are unlikable in ways that feels, we discussed this to me, very two thousands, like watching cry wolf and being like, all the people fucking hate each other. Why are you hanging out? Yeah. Mindy's Mindy's a, a contextual context free bitch with like not a gallows sense of humor a sadistic sense of humor yes it's crazy it's, because later she becomes like maybe the most likable character yeah but when she's introduced great time but the problem is there was nothing given to her immediately that would make us like her before she starts kind of so it comes off as kind of mean and it, it, it really like i think the more i've been thinking about it like when we meet when we meet the characters in four, like the young ones in four, we immediately start like an establish. We meet them in the car on the way to school, and we yeah, get, like, it's really fun time. And in this one, we meet them, and you don't. There's no reason for you to understand why those group of people are the way they are if you haven't watched another scream. Because when you meet them, you're like, oh, they're doing the scream thing. Because it starts and with the flagpole shot going down from like a flag- flagpole crane shot from Scream. It's the same thing, so we know, oh, this is that. Yeah. And you're like, oh, Mindy's Randy, and there's a nice guy, and like Mindy's dorky Randy, and then Wes's nice guy Randy, and then here's like hot, like your hot jock character, like mm-hmm. you know, closer to something like Billy was. You're getting, you get the sense of like where they're filling in the paint by numbers, right? And if you hadn't watched, you'd just be like, what's this random assemblage of people in front of me right now? Right. It just, and that's why I think it's doing the cosplay of Scream in the first half because to me, it's it's checking, it's painting by numbers and it's not necessarily, and it's, to me, it felt like it was kind of trying to do a thing where it's like, we're Scream, but we're new Scream. And like, we're gonna, we're gonna use Richie to poke fun at Scream. And in a way that does make sense with his character, but still to me feels like, listen guys, wink, wink, we know you didn't love the last two movies before, which feels like it almost undermines the work they did in the first half to, to go so fully into part four for how it wraps up the movie that it's like, but weren't you trying to like make us believe that that, that that ship had sailed from four and you were doing something else now, but actually you realize the formula works guys. If we're talking about how hard it is to compare, like to leave comparisons behind, it is challenging because I, I like to cite this a lot as a really, as a testament to what Kevin Williamson brought to the series, but CC in, uh, in scream two, we know everything about her, her alcoholic boyfriend, her relationship to her sisters. We only meet her in the scene she dies in. And yet, Sarah Michelle Gellar's character in Scream 2 is so memorable. So memorable. The, so memorable. These characters, when we meet them, are spread so thin. And then they add another character because they're looking at Kyle Gallner across the high school. Way, and we're like, oh, Kyle, he's been creeping on my Instagram. Or not Kyle. Yeah. Vince has been creeping on my Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and establishing him. And it's like. But they're pivoting off of as if we already know the friend group and we don't. So yeah. none of this matters, right? None of it. And and I actually think that maybe the scene that succeeds a little better is the hospital scene. 
because yeah. not that we get much of them in the hospital scene, but we do get an overprotective Amber, which I like. You know, I think if we mer- first met those characters in the hospital scene, I would like them a lot more. Because yeah. they start out as kind of like gags, but then when you meet them in the hospital thing, they're grounded to a serious thing that happened, yes. which is Tara. We see that they we care about each other. We watch them relating to each other. We watch them relating to Sam. Yes. If you, if you cut that high school campus scene. I agree. I know. And it just was like, we walk in and Sam's like, oh my God, hi all you kids I used to babysit. Jordan, and Tara's like, these are I, my friends. I agree. I actually, wow. Isn't that crazy that like less could be more in this situation? It really because, put, like, because really what you see, seamlessly effectively, actually. Because in that scene, we see Amber's dynamic with Sam. We see how they're yeah. oppositional to one another. We know that there's history, which we never really get, but we see that she's protective of Jenna. And that really is yeah. all that it is. But that's all, And that's all we need to know. We don't need more than that because everybody cares. Everybody, uh, when they, when it's like, when Jenna's like, or sorry, I keep saying Jenna, but we should call her Tara. When Jenna Ortega's character, uh, Tara, is like, okay, I want, I, you know, I need a little bit of space. And then she's like, not you, to Sam. And then the other friends yeah. are like, uh, but we should still go. And it's like, yeah. yeah. And it's this yeah. moment that's kind of funny because it's like, oh, they're loving, but they're also funny and they have a sense of humor. That's what I was missing from them. And mm-hmm. now I got that. So, yeah. Wow. I'm like, I really, <laughs> it makes me like, it's it feels so tacked on. And truly, if you just erase that, if we had just like had a little bit longer in the hospital room where there maybe was just a little yeah. bit more conversation with the kids, we could have completely compensated for that weird introductory scene in front of Woodsboro High. Yeah, I, And like, I, we, I could have easily had Wes be like, oh, you know, I got to get back because my mom's calling. It's like, yeah, I wouldn't want Sheriff Hicks to be like, you wouldn't want to be late for Sheriff Hicks. Like we could have easily yep. done a like, here's Deputy Judy's son, like yep. cover. And it. how fun would that have been to discover it there? I think that yeah. when, we, when we look at where this movie kind of, this movie does fan service in a couple of places really well. Yeah, I will, really well. I will say, like, for example, when the laptop of uh, Richie the Boyfriend is open and he's watching Stab movies or Stab stuff on YouTube, the very first video at the top is Survivor Kirby speaks about the Oh, Woodsboro my murders. God. Oh, my God. And it is, like, jaw-dropping because it's like, wow, these guys are giving it to the fans because we want Kirby to be alive. And they're like, you know what? She's not in this movie, but guess what? She's alive now. And we wrote it that way, and you can't take it back. Like I, that was, that was, it, it where, like, that to me is the, the, the thing that I, I will continue to stand by about reboots and recharges, whatever the fuck you want to call them with horror, where you let a new person interpret a classic property. That to me is a best case scenario. I love that. And I will say. It's it, totally a yes and. That it's is. not a like, let's ignore this previous thing. It's a yes and. It's a yes and where something like the high school scene where it's, it's mm-hmm. feeling very like paint by numbers, that feels yeah. forced. Where something yes. like this is like, this is fan service done right. And by the way, the very, very bottom video was somebody yeah. was fan. I didn't see it. What is it? It's, uh, it says, uh, Stu, Stu Mocker, is he still alive? Question mark. <laughs> like, it's basically like, like there, it's a discussion on whether or not he could still be alive, which of course we've seen that discussion yes. on Twitter, which is like, there is a world where we could say he's still alive. And I love that they're even flirting with that. Like, as if Six could be like, Stu Mocker is the killer. We're in college. Uh, these kids in college, Kirby's their professor. She's Carol J. Clover over here <laughs> yeah. teaching them about the classics. And yeah. Stu is back. Like, we could get that for part six because they've laid the groundwork. And that's kind of fun. Or we never get it. And it's still a nod to knowing what we want. And a YouTube, honestly, it, it, a YouTube interface is the perfect thing for that because you can find fucking anything on YouTube. Like, that algorithm will take you anywhere. So the idea of that happening alongside this would be like, 
Of course, that's what, like, yes, and, like, let, yeah. conspiracy theorists, stew truthers, like, oh, yes, they would be right here in this recommended video section. And another to the credit of the filmmakers thing, they don't just flash it on the laptop like you have to pause it like an alien in aliens when it's like, oh, these gender, uh, de- you know, the Despin converts, which are to show that one of them right. was a different gender uh, at birth. It's like it's not that kind of Easter egg where you have to pause it level. It's like, nope, they show it and you can read it <laughs> and they're going to actually cut back to it again. So it's there yep. for you. Yes, you could miss it, but it's there. It's out in the open. It's not some crazy thing. So I love that. I think that's done really well. But again, when we gather with those friends again, that like restaurant bar scene, like where it's like you're too boring to be the killer. Like, what is that? Because yeah. they're high schoolers. It's too young for a bar. But what is it? Like an outback? I don't know. Oh, yeah. They look like, yeah, it's like they're at some pool hall or something. That's what I it don't is. know. Yes. It very much looks like a bar, though. Like it 100% looks like a bar. It is. So these teens are hanging out at a bar. <laughs> And outside, <laughs> so the teens are at a bar. Teens guys. are at a bar. They're discussing who the killer is right away. And I'm actually surprised because there's like, and they're like, "Well, nobody's died yet." And they're like, "Yeah, but we got to figure out the killer." These teens are already like jumping into the terminology that I'm like, I it feels too soon enforced <laughs> for me again. But outside, what we're gonna get is Kyle Gallner, who has been given um, no backstory really. None. Um, is going to get murdered by Ghostface in a super cool sequence. Like, there's a my super psycho sweet sixteen car headlights moment. The headlights come on. He's taking a pee and he turns around and go- looking so gross and hot. He is the kind of hot. Oh, I mean, ha- God. leave it to Kyle Gallner to reinvent hot so many times. Right. Endlessly through his whole career. He is never Kyle Gallner, hot leading man. Kyle Gallner is like like how a drag queen can give you so many different types of looks, but it's still that queen. Kyle Gallner is like <laughs> serving so many different kinds of hot, but it's still Kyle Gallner. Uh, so And he's here for no absolutely no fucking reason other than to other than to die. Kyle, like hundred percent red shirt. Kyle Gallner works at the gas station. He's dating your friend who's too good for him. Um, yes. he, he, who he's definitely too old for. He doesn't wash his hair and showers every three days. He yeah. has he has a Looney Tunes tattoo. Do you know what I mean? Like he's like that kind of guy. Like it's like, what? Why? You know what I mean? Like, and yet you, you're like captivated by and maybe want to cuddle up with him. I don't know. I'm sorry. Oh, God. So and I love that he just walks in and he's like, hey, girl, like, let's go. Like, they they, they so forsake any connection between the two characters. Mm. All he does is walk up to her and her definitely boyfriend and be like, let's go. Let's leave. Oh, and my God. His, his boyfriend's like. I will kick your ass. Yeah. He's like, come on, let's leave. Let's go. It's like, oh, we're never going to talk about anything that's happening here. He's just showing up to do that. And then he's going to walk out. And then he's going to die. Immediately. Love, love, love. And you guys have seen it in the trailer. And you see it here. It's where Ghostface yeah. is in front of the headlights. And it feels almost like a broad daylight kill, which we don't really get a lot of. And we will get one. But <laughs> yeah. it's it's so cool to see the way he's lit almost like ethereally. I don't know. It's just so – it feels like he's an angel of death, literally. It is absolutely one of my favorite kills in the franchise because there's zero fanfare around it. Yeah. Like, Kyle, Kyle Gallner just gets close enough to him to be within striking distance. And then it's just – it is a quick jab yeah. into his neck, and that's it. Like, it happens so quickly – If you kind of looked away for a second, you would have missed Ghostface making the action. And then it's just like, die, bitch. Like, that's it. I was like, oh, okay, shit. So what we- We're not going to stand on ceremony for this red shirt. And and, and listen, this is something that I I both like and don't like about it, which is that Ghostface just kind of materializes throughout this film. Ghostface, like, we get these long tracking shots like Wes gave us, but Wes would give us long tracking shots so we could see the cat and mouse that would happen after that. 
like the kind of like, oh, he could be anywhere and he's coming out and he's following them yeah. and we're watching him stalk. Not in this case. In this movie, you get the scene set and then Ghostface will materialize in a place that you didn't expect him. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Now, why it works for me is because it's a fun scare. Yeah. Why it doesn't work for me is only because of the setup of like the nod to Wes's filmmaking where we get those long tracking shots because it feels mm. then it makes it obvious that we're missing it. That's mm-hmm. the only thing. I But I actually like it as a filmmaking choice and diverting from the original. I think that's kind of fun. Yeah, I this movie does it makes smart choices. It, it, it does make some smart choices in where it decides like, but we're going to do a little something different. Like when you find out Tara is alive, when you find out she made it out of surgery and she's going to be OK, it's like, wow, we we haven't seen that before. Exactly. And the principle of a cold open kill in anything, let alone Scream, is that it's a cold open kill. Like, it's totally. how you set the stage. And so to give us Jenna, Jenna's Tara, to carry on through the movie when she's given such a strong performance is like, oh, thank God, I don't have to say goodbye to her yet. Like, it feels really, that was a nice choice. I really liked that. Yeah. And I, I'd say when it starts feeling like a Scream movie is the one-two punch of this moment, this yeah. specific kill... Followed by visiting Dewey at the trailer. Then I'm like, okay, this feels like Scream. And by the way, it's as if this is a continuation of us talking about it. We have talked about it on this podcast before. You guys know. Like where it's like, yeah, Gail should have left and Dewey should have stayed. Because that's who they are. And Mm -hmm. even though I love them together, it's like the the idea of the proposal at the end of three really bothered me. Because I'm like, I don't know. Like trapping her there. So it's like. Getting Dewey in this trailer, heartbroken, but like also lovable because he's watching Gail in the morning show. He watches her every morning. Every morning, morning it's he, the highlight Sam and of Richie day. come to interrupt him because they need his help. And he's like, you've got two minutes. I'm missing a show I like. And it's Gail's morning show. And the and by the way, his performance, I love it. He is, and, and like, yes, yes. It's like, okay, well, of course you love his performance because he's so good in the other ones. Well, that doesn't always happen later. Think about Halloween. Well, and this is and, a different and, performance than any of the other ones for I, David Arquette. Uh, Thank you. I agree. Yeah. This, no, this is completely, this is, this is not Dewey like we've ever seen never. Dewey. We have never seen this Dewey. And it's. No, and this, it, Dewey's, Dewey has lost hope at this point. And, I, and Dewey was always the center of hope for those three. If I may say so, Miss Weathers, you are much prettier in person. So you do watch the show. I'm 25. I was 24 for a whole year. Well, and it, I, I really appreciate that it, neither of them was the bad guy. It just I agree. Think, like the, yes. the bottom line is, is that love wasn't enough because love isn't actually when you're talking about marriage and logistics and the practicalities of spending a life together. Exactly. Like it, love, love is not actually. It's um, not enough. The, the thing you need, and it, like singularly, and it just like. Dewey went to New York for a few months after Gail got this huge offer. As we learn, she he tried, but not really. He bailed in the middle of the night. Without a word. And without a word. And Gail stayed. And Dewey has been calling himself a coward ever since, which that was a real cowardly move. Yeah. And but then she tells him, like, you know, look at your look at your life. Look at our lives. Like you're the you are absolutely not and you never have been a coward. They they both he as she said, you belonged in Woodsboro. He absolutely did not Dewey Riley does not belong in New York City. No. And that life, that shared life, would would never have worked. And if the series had tried to pretend that it would have, it would have been extremely disingenuous. Agreed. And just the moment of them 
being so sad because they miss each other and know that it was never going to work. Friend. And it, it, I oh like that it, wait, I, it makes me like the end of Scream 3 better because when he says, you know it'll never work. I know. I know it'll never Jordan. work. Jordan. But they try anyway. I agree. Because they do love each other that much. You know how we talked about how strong Scream is as not the closing of a trilogy, but as the middle of a series? Yeah. I think Scream 3 got stronger with 5. It really and Scream Three just kept getting better with and, age, and by and and that's a that's a testament to the filmmakers behind Scream Twenty Twenty Two because I think that they are looking at the material and respecting it and actually giving I do too. and giving these characters real emotional storylines like the legacy characters they did a great job connecting with I like at least these two like with Dewey and Dewey sits in the trailer by the way and clocks Richie immediately and like he's like how long have you known this guy six months yeah. that's the killer. And yeah. I love that. It's always the love interest, Sam. Come on. I loved it. Because, of course, Dewey would know. He's a fucking pro, guys. And <laughs> Yeah. They're, yeah they're, like, there are three people who are better at this than anybody else in the world. And it's Dewey, Gale, and Sidney. How amazing is it that he did that immediately? I loved it. And <laughs> I loved it. And I think. I love that the movie's telling you the entire time Amber is texting Tara. Uh-huh. As, and then the killer and is the like, kill- I'm not Amber. And then Dewey's like, that's the killer. Like, as soon as you meet these characters, you're being told they're murderers. And I, they accuse... Amazing. It's so good because they accuse each other of being murderers. Like, yeah. when, they, when the hospital attack happens, when Sam is attacked at the hospital and, and Ghostface shows up, it's like, well, where were you? Well, where were you? I was watching Netflix. I was at the police station. The call came from your phone. And it's like, well, my phone was cloned. Well, or you're the killer. I love it because yeah. by hiding in plain sight and accusing each other, it actually works really well. And it's the most obvious answer is that they're the, they're the killers. And that's why it's not obvious because in this series, so many things get hidden and hidden in turn. Exactly. And the whole point is, is the whole point is, is like, well, it's always the most obvious thing, but is it the most obvious thing? It's, like, cause it's like, yep. yeah, it's a whodunit. It's so, it's a whodunit. It's a who, that's what screaming. It's so fucking smart. I love that. I love that. So that, the, the trailer scene, I love what we get from him. Loved it. I, uh, I, what I don't like is the friends in the living room scene. So <laughs> Now, the, the, it really like friend, they are the whiplash for characters that I I really enjoyed. Yes, the group scenes with them at the start of the movie are my biggest issue with the movie. And I think, and I like all of them. Well, when you compared it to Pretty Little Liars, I thought that made a lot of sense. The girls, <laughs> we enjoy those group scenes with those girls because we get to see their dynamics, and they and and that's what makes it fun. In this one, it wasn't fun to see them together. No. And, no. and they jumped to conclusions that I, like, look, I, okay, so first off, actually, before we go anywhere, Heather Matarazzo. Heather Matarazzo as the cameo, stepmom cameo to the twins. The first time, two reactions <laughs> from the theater that I had, by the way. One was when Samantha Carpenter's name got said out loud, people actively groaned. No joke. They were like, ah, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. The second was that when Heather showed up, people cheered. That's so good. And it was so fun to hear people cheering for her. And even though she gave, you know, she had about as much of a part as she did in Scream 3. Yeah. It's still so wonderful to see. Or was it Scream 2? No, Scream 3. Scream 3, yeah. Um, It's still wonderful to see her again. It's like, oh, an old friend. My friend's back. <laughs> yeah. And she's and a, just and, a perfect, like, you You get a sense of that character's entire life when you see her. Like, you, you're like, oh, my God. You, I can I, I can fill in the gaps of the preceding 10 years for you. And the, <laughs> also the production is the combination of her performance with those few lines and the production designer planning all the Randy stuff. It's yeah. like, we know that character without even needing to follow her into the other room. Yep. We really do. And when she looks at her kids and gives them the like very parent, like yep. I'm like got eyes on you kind of move that she does with her hands. It was oh like, my God. this is so perfect. Love it. 
Thing- and then they spring into this belabored, oh God, very Jordan. randy. And it's like, it's like, guys, this, like, they're, th- yes, this is a thing Scream does. And, like, I'm enjoying watching Jasmine Savoy Brown right now. I am, too. I don't get why I don't get how I can have such a disconnect between enjoying Jasmine Savoy Brown as Mindy and not liking the words that are coming out of her mouth because it it felt so like well because she says you don't have to explain these things to the legacy character like Dewey and it was like in 2021 is this seriously the conversation that you would need to have with a room of people isn't the point that it's so baked in by now and when somebody's like and then she's well then they they did this and they accused this character of being a Mary Sue. And, Sam, and Richie goes, which Richie definitely would not know this. He goes, what's a Mary Sue? And then Wes looks at him and goes, you don't want to know. It was like, I mean, maybe he does. Yeah, maybe he's like, just telling. What do you mean? You don't, By the way, not like Wes, a, It's over not the here. longest explanation or a horrible thing. Like, you don't want to know. Wes, why are you holding out on information again? This is the second scene. You're like, <laughs> oh, you don't want to know how bad it was. Like, and ju- okay. And just I like mean, the aspect of like. Again, like the the sort of little moments of you like know. we're winking and we're nodding, but at the same time, isn't this stuff fucking stupid? It's like no, like people writing about a character being a Mary Sue and taking issue with a character and something for being one doesn't actually make them assholes. I, yes, like, people people who are assholes do that, but it doesn't make someone an asshole to know what the definition of a Mary Sue is. My biggest problem with this scene is when she called Sam when Sam's like are you saying that I'm stuck in fan fiction which I love by the way I'm like haha that's pretty great that's a great line I love that line and And Melissa Barrera delivered yes I was gonna say that was one of the best moments for Sam immediately followed by no I'm saying you're the star and it's like wait she is because none of the other conversations supported that also why is she the star nobody said she was the final girl she hadn't even been attacked yet no, I, I yeah, that was very much like actually you've not sold me on that she's the star yet. I like, don't and know. I don't think Mindy would think that either. I don't, I don't think, Mindy think Mindy would either. Would think that either. I don't think Mindy would either. I think, and I think that's what gets from because of how the characters end in the movie. When we, it makes me like I don't enjoy them in the progress in progress in the first half of the movie, and then but I like them so much in the end of it that even when I look back on the beginning half of it after what we know, what knowing what I know now, it's like. Those characters wouldn't be that way, no, actually. Like, no, 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 no. Like, those characters that end this movie are not the characters that started this movie. And things that come out of their mouth, I actually don't support that those characters would act that way. It, it feels, it feels really, again, like this paint my numbers scream thing. And then in the second half, they were like, well, fuck it, let's let them have fun. I would like to mark this as the turning point. So if, mm. it, so for me on a second viewing. But Dewey in this scene is great. Dewey, Dewey in, this in this scene, scene is great. Is great. Like when he when he like that he asks pink haired girl he's like well maybe you're the murderer because that cut deep like oh no no that was Wes when Wes it was Wes yes. yeah maybe and he's you're like because that because that cut deep, deep. oh my god I love classic a Dewey line. line and like done well I believe it, it. And that, that was is, him that in that moment Dewey shows gives us the actual true spirit of the sense of humor of the Scream franchise still got it and in the second half still got it still got it like, Gail, Gail walking away part four it. still got it. And the second half of this movie feels like it has the sense of humor as a Scream movie, whereas the first half feels like it's Scream sense of humor in a drag show for some reason. Yeah, oh my but God. Like when I don't know, Jenna or high school Tara, play. Yeah, yeah, like the high school play version it, of, of this. It like, feels like this, really scary, forced. Scary movie franchise version of what a Scream movie is. I know, a lot of times it felt like that. Which you, I said, yeah, like, yeah, you, like you the, when they're explaining things, as soon as we walked it's out. so literal that in those opening parts, it does feel like we're bordering on scary movie in the delivery. Like it's making fun of, like, so, okay, look, first half, don't love it. Having gone in from a second 
watching, yeah. knowing that I'm going to get to know and love these teens, that helped. Mm-hmm. Because then I was looking for yeah. the flourishes that I enjoyed from their performances and that kind of thing. And I can override it because I know we're going to go to a place where I like them. That made yeah. the first half easier the second time. So I encourage mm-hmm. you, friends. And I was feeling very patient during the first half. I was like, okay, okay, we're going to get started at a certain point. And then we did. And I was like, all right. I think I leaned over to you and Gail gets to town. And I went, oh, good. The movie's starting. Well, okay. Okay. Wait. Actually, there were three cheers in my theater because when Gail showed up, there was cheering. But that cheering was me. I did. <laughs> I cheered for I cheered for two women. I cheered for uh, Nicole Kidman. Yep. You know, yeah. when she came we, out for that we, AMC. We at that, Listen, certainly. I don't, egregiously abbreviated Can you in believe 2022. it? 30 seconds. Fuck you, AMC. Give us that 60 seconds back. Fuck. If you're going to spend $22 million on a commercial with Nicole Kidman, give us the whole thing, you assholes. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. I want her back. So, cheered for her, cheered for Gail. That's it. So, I think that if if you you are... So, great. If you're enjoying the first half, great. If you didn't enjoy the first half, if you were like me... If you were like me and it was it was hard for you, just know that I think on a second viewing you're going to enjoy it more. So sure, and there's a second half waiting for you that is to me palpably different than the first half. 